Welcome to Tactical Permaculture. I've worked on projects ranging from the poorest to richest clients, from inner cities to suburbs to farmlands to remote wilderness, from the eco-war front lines to celebrity backyards. In over 25 years of service to the earth and the community of life, I've learned that in the fight for sustainable survival, growing is half the battle. Go to tacticalpermaculture.com for more info. You gotta train for me Because I'm training for you We gotta love, love And revolution to do You better train for me You'll be training for you Episode 43, originally recorded in February of 2020. Share some of the ecological developments and an evolution that I'm I'm on again for those who are so inclined and for those who may not be necessarily as much of eco geeks like I am, you will definitely benefit from some immersion into this and also I will be doing my best to draw parallels and make some philosophical uh, commentary on the deeper spiritual aspects of uh, getting into the Tao of nature and doing the permaculture thing pretty much full-time. Um, I don't even want to use that word full-time. I want to use the word uh, full-spirited, full-assed, full-hearted, um, because it's not about output, like a conveyor belt of production. It's about really the quality of attention, the quality of design, the design thinking, the pattern recognition, the subtleties. So it's a beautiful experience to be able to be doing hard work and then pause whenever you feel like it to trace the movement of an animal or to just sit with a thought or realized that you were doing everything wrong and, and uh, <laughs> before you uh, spend any more time doing something wrong, you decide you actually should be putting something somewhere else. And so as they say, I'll probably say this often, but 99 hours of design, one hour of work as opposed to the other way around. Um, so yeah, with that said, I, without further ado, I'm just going to get into some of the lists so I can I just jot down notes as I go along and, and will adequately expand upon upon these notes uh, and make these make these episodes pretty pretty short, but uh, informative and hopefully interesting. So one experience has been that there's been a, a hoop house, which is like a, a large greenhouse type structure, provides shade protection and to some extent, uh, protection from water and rain if you were um, using the, the plastic sheeting in addition to shade cloth. Uh, so basically imagine a, a half circle, a long, narrow, well, a long half circle uh, structure, frame structure that you can walk into. So it kind of looks like a an aircraft hangar or something. And um, it's a giant, you know, commercial, industrial-sized, ag-land-sized hoop house, greenhouse, and 
they tend to get battered by the wind, battered by the sun and the rain. And so, unfortunately, uh, this one had seen better days in terms of um, how it was distributing the weight of uh, rainfall. And so there's points at which pools, pockets and pools were forming of, of rainwater, adding stress and pressure onto the frame until eventually part of it gave in and it uh, luckily didn't, wouldn't really collapse in a way that would be super scary or dangerous but uh, and luckily nobody was there at the time but it did definitely take down one of the the main supports to the point where you could only walk about halfway through it at that point so it was obstructed and just as a feng shui neurotic kind of wannabe feng shui geek that i am i i what was one of the first things i did was uh just create the a pathway conducive to moving moving through, moving with wheelbarrows and whatnot, and just not having that obstruction uh, that you had to really do a limbo to get under um, really pretty much rendered it pretty unusable in terms of its uh, being able to move stuff through and and as, a, as an access point. So I uh, had to do a bit of MacGyvering because it was way more, um, there's way more resistance then I expected being able to push it back up. I'd hoped I'd be able to just kind of get some leverage with a broomstick or something, a broom handle, and just bend it back into place. But that was not happening based on the just the sheer weight of it. Uh, after, after draining the water, of course, still very heavy and, and impossible to uh, to really kind of bend back into shape properly. So... I was able to jerry-rig together a little floor jack that would be used, that I found it would be used for just uh, jacking up a car in a, an auto shop kind of jack and uh, was able to kind of MacGyver it to get just a few inches of lift off of this beam that had come down so that it really you could comfortably and easily walk through without ducking or or paying mind to it it just could stand on the side and hold it up so that's uh that's the stopgap solution for now but that was a, an adventure to figure out and certainly just another an example of beholding that moment when you create when you create a clearance in a in a blocked area there that's the the kundalini magic it's the the tantric uh, spirituality of it was um how difference, what a difference it makes when you have the infrastructure of um, free movement and and conducive movement really established. So so that was the metaphorical as, as well as quite literal removal of blockages and um, holding up the, the architecture uh, by by any means necessary. And uh, and we'll get we'll get the, the right team out here to uh, to really repair it properly at some point. But for now, it's not hindering my access and ability to um to practice the art of permaculture so that was um that was fun adventure and then um it's been an interesting meditation going through this process of actually sorting through what's become junk, what things that once were usable tools, things that have been just, this is the, the, the fact of life on any kind of um, rural ag land. It's just that there's generations and generations of stacked layers of uh, 
dilapidated equipment and tools and hardware and uh, mixed in with that there can be literally just junk and trash and food wrappers and all kinds of uh, all kinds of madness but um, whereas I think a lot of people and maybe even my myself at different stages would look at some of these heaps and just feel really distraught honestly it was uh it's been a breath of fresh air because it just feels like something sensible i can sink my teeth into and it feels like uh, a meditation aid um a real gift to, to sort through it and find the gems find the treasures find the things that are i mean to me all these tools that are available that's money that doesn't have to be spent to to literally reinvent the wheel if if the if the tools are here and they're just buried and they just need to be loved and and restored and maintained tested and organized and picked up the ground and put into a more uh, a higher state of repair then that's just more and more assets more and more capital that make me feel even wealthier than I am which is it's it's a fabulous feeling and uh and it's an adventure and it's a scavenger hunt so you know it doesn't feel really that great to go in and buy new tools to buy brand new when you just know you look at it you're like yeah this is I you have to really really go out of your way and and have a high budget to to purchase items that you can feel really great about that are brand new but when you can rehabilitate gear that you need equipment tools it's a, it's a great feeling and so i'm very much in that phase uh still to this day after yeah making it into a part of the the ritual is like a percentage of of every day goes into that process of sorting and seeking and um finding new fun stuff and that's just been super exciting it's exciting to find caches of dank compost and mulch and just uh continue to find cuttings that have been planted that are flourishing in and amongst um more overgrown areas you know there's just a lot of um a lot of uh up updating that needs to happen to just like it would say sprucing the place up um restoring there there was peak state of uh of i guess maintenance i should say of all of the of all the plantings all of the the sort of permaculture zones and it's it's a little it's due to uh, unforeseen circumstances uh, that i won't describe uh, personal matters and whatnot uh, it's 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 needed more love than has been available to it this property for a while uh, but that's where I come in is, is of extra love and TLC to go into the zone. So I'm kind of zipping around and tidying things up and making sense of things, sorting and organizing. And those aha moments of discovering that you recognize a plant and that it's that it's hanging in there and that you you know you can now kind of promise that it will it will have a home planted in the soil and we'll do our best to give it good shade and good moisture and good nutrients and there's a lot of um 
Yeah, a lot of soldiers on the hill in terms of um, cuttings and seedlings that, that are that are hoping to get on the ground this season. So that's going to be an ongoing pleasure, an ongoing mission, also something very invigorating and very very unequivocally soul building and if you know if there's people out there that that want to f- that don't feel useful to the, to anything or anyone planting things is probably the most <laughs> the easiest way to feel useful to something and uh and and I don't uh minimize the the value of it's it's um I mean you can love a plant there's no limit to how much you can love a plant or how much a plant can love you. How about that? I, to avoid comparisons to anyone or anything else, uh, you can really go deep. So, um, yeah, one, one, uh, while, while sweeping the, sweeping up in the main hoop house area, there was a time when I had to be on a phone call arguing basically a professional you could say kind of like a C-level argument amongst myself and a fellow other creative uh, business partner. And it was very refreshing to be able to multitask on my own time, on my own clock. I'm not feeling bad about um, about taking a call on anyone else's dime. It was my time. I was doing my work and uh, and being able to stack functions and multitask and 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 just roll with the the subtleties and the frictions of creative uh, minds, you know, butting heads from time to time. But ultimately, seeking seeking alignment. But uh, I, that it was just this. It stood out to me to feel like yes, this is this is the life I can have. I can do the the Hollywood hustle as long as I'm far away from the the urban madness and, and I'm actually enjoying my chores, doing my my cleanup, doing I can be I can be multitasking with, with farm chores while blowing off steam and grinding gears with um contract negotiations and things and and have it not feel like a a net loss of energy and, and time. <laughs> And uh, I couldn't imagine just sitting in an office and blowing steam off like that. It really would be uh, unsustainable for me. And I've certainly been there. So, um, yeah, I've spent a lot of time cooped up in stuffy office cubicle type environments, having really, really asinine (laughs) business partner debates. And it's been agonizing so i had to just say if you ever get the chance to have uh you know it's like dancing too you're moving i'm moving around i'm i may be pacing a little bit but uh but for the most part i'm every time i pace i'm doing some more sweeping so it's productive and uh <laughs> it's an it, it would be comedic to watch that's for sure but uh but i do recommend finding a way to I don't know, I guess maybe you see people walking their dogs or whatever while they're having business conversations a lot of times in the city, and that's that's probably the closest next best thing. But uh, uh, So a few more things worth mentioning for this, this catch-up of Lessons of the Land. Um, 
I'm not the biggest birder in the world. I'm sure being out here will will encourage me to to bone up more on my knowledge of bird identification. But uh, saw some amazing action of uh, predatory birds doing their thing, doing amazing aerial maneuvers and things are just um, feats of uh, organic engineering and aerodynamics and uh, just always looking up and remembering that for most animals, most life on earth, there's not, life doesn't have to be more complicated than um, an honest living of seeking a meal. And um, that was, uh, that was no very noteworthy um not the most organic thing here on my list but definitely something i want to take note of is that i that that here there happens to be this uh next level the many roles of this next level i guess i would say rubberized chicken wire or poultry netting that stuff usually gives me the creeps because it always finds a way or <laughs> It it always tries to find a way somehow to to get a little too close for comfort on those sharp edges, shall we say? And and I've had my fair share of of mild to pretty gnarly scrapes with it, and and you know having to work with it. It just um, I it's always uh, it's always a bummer to have it get the best of you and, and, and get a scratch on you, but rubberized stuff, it aesthetically feels, you know, it's it's a little less, uh, it's black, it's a little less um, I don't want to say white trash, but I guess I have to say white trash <laughs> because I can get away with it because I am part white trash. So, <laughs> it sounds snobbish to a degree i suppose um you can hate on me if if you want but uh but you know there is a duty to try to find that balance between rustic americana and white trash and just you don't want to look like a junkyard you don't want to look if it's going to be dilapidated it better have a story it better have soul and character and um this black rubberized chicken wire feels like a next level upgrade in safety and uh and to some degree it's a little it's just a little less uh, noticeable to the eye at a glance so it's a bit of a it's, it's a bit of a way to tuck away that that kind of loud metal wire and also just that sense of if I can get away with not using it I want to move I want to be post fence and post wire and that feeling of being in a sort of agricultural prison colony for for enclosures of animals I mean part of it the main part of it is to protect them from predators protect vulnerable livestock from prison but you know, in permaculture design course, you learn about ways in countries where they don't have even that luxury of having trashy looking <laughs> wires and fences and things, and they don't have anything and they have to grow their fence. And it's a much more beautiful, elegant aesthetic to have a, to have a fence grown out of um, fast growing shrubs and, uh, and bamboo and whatnot. So 
it's uh ironically it's like a luxury to not use those cheap materials here um and to kind of be more patient and to evolve towards a less prisony looking horticultural agricultural landscape but uh but with all that said at the end of the day i was thrilled to find this slightly safer slightly less uh atrocious looking wire <laughs> and, uh, on that note of uh next level egg materials this is something that uh, i had not uh discovered anywhere but here but is very uh exciting and useful to think about which is these sort of what you would call air pruning pots where if you think about a normal plastic pot you'd be seeing you know if you go to the nursery you buy some plants and they're coming the one gallons five gallons 15 gallons those those typical black uh, nursery pots well problem with those one of the problems with those is that uh once the root once the roots get going in there they get sort of root bound and they start choking off the plant they may never the plant may never really get free and the the roots may never really grow ideally the way they would in a natural setting because they just keep trying to find their way out of that circle they just literally go in circles trying to find their way out so they're being inadvertently tricked into kind of strangling themselves and it's uh you know there's different methods i've been trained to quote score the sides and to kind of like slice open this 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 uh strangulating circle of roots and to sort of at least kind of break the pattern and get them kind of breaking out uh, and branching out um or rooting out in a more natural organic uh, pattern when you actually plant them uh, but th what these air pruning pots do is they actually they're like they actually have holes like it kind of it's kind of punk rock looking they have holes all like conical holes all around the outer um pot which kind of snaps together but that allows for air pruning is this this function where the the roots are smart enough that when they come in contact with the air they're going to not keep trying to grow in that direction they basically feel like they've come to the edge of a cliff or that they've just basically come to the edge of what they the growing medium so they intelligently prune themselves and they therefore intelligently inhibit that pro that problem of um of choking themselves off so very cool to see there's a lot of those here and so you know that's still more plastic still a kind of plastic prosthesis but uh, in terms of the health of the plants and this transitioning while still using some plastics um, that's that's quite a game changer and pretty exciting and good to know that you can feel better about i'm going to feel better about the the long-term health of the plants when they're when they have been uh transplanted from these air pruning pots and uh and just know that they're gonna feel better while they're in there and not you won't they won't just be getting tortured so um yeah keep finding more more mother load ground scores of uh, hidden compost piles that were that were stacked up in the past and and not not yet distributed but now are gonna save me time and money and energy to uh to work with um finding lots more 
rosemary established and planted throughout, which is always exciting. It's definitely a part of my daily edible, culinary, medicinal, magical uh, lifestyle. And... Um, Wanting to really move away from plastic uh, as much as possible in my personal horticulture of um, using clay pots and glass and any metal pots, any stainless steel. There's a whole set of uh, stainless steel catering trays that I'm using for some seedling starting trays and doing kind of a bit of a sub-irrigation strategy, which would mean without overfilling there's no drainage holes so you have to be careful not to overfill it and for it to become really nasty and anaerobic but if you if you use a more sterile or sterile-ish kind of substrate that can basically be kind of, it's basically creating a miniature wetland environment for starting seeds so that there's potting soil um, seed starting mix etc uh, and an upper half of a, of some sort of basin, and then below that, where you can be more liberal with um, saturating with water, there's more of like a, a wetland basin that's it's uh, filled with uh, sand, preferably or sandy soil uh, or sandy dirt, um, so that there's going to be less organic matter. Uh, decomposing underwater that's that's not what you want but but if the if the organic matter is above that uh more sterile-ish medium then it can you can afford to have more water in there and therefore not waste water that's running off out of um out of the bottom through drainage holes so it's it's a it's a delicate balance and if you do it right i've noticed uh having done it right you can create very vigorous very strong very happy and healthy seedlings and they can just kind of sip down into um, an ongoing supply of moisture that uh, is if you keep you know keep that from totally drying out then it's great because then you're not constantly they're not constantly going through the shock of near drying out and then having to wait until some some mechano some uh, mechanized device or or horticulturalist like me comes along to um, rehydrate it from above so there's that definitely lots of frogs met my first couple of uh, toads out here really big ones really stoked to see these beneficial predators around who are those are the ones who are gonna if you continue to provide them the right habitat they'll be the ones to do most of the maintenance of the garden as far as managing pests so always a good sign always excited to see them um was very stoked to find a vermiculture compost bin. So worm composting is one of the most potent ways of uh, trans transmuting, if you will, uh, from a like tantric sense, your your food scraps and um, all other food scraps from the kitchen. Uh, any organic matter, they're really they do best when kept moist. So 
feeding them the the kitchen scraps from daily use of the kitchen those those green not so much uh not so much any dairy or meat products for a worm bin per se um it's really favored towards non allium meaning avoiding garlics and onions and relatives of those uh, avoiding citrus rinds and peels and focusing mostly on green waste type veggie material from from kitchen scraps fruits and veggies and whatnot they love to propagate ridiculously uh, to their heart's content in in worm compost bins and then you can harvest the what's called leachate the the fluid matter the fluid liquid that uh, you can design different sorts of bins so that they can you can harvest the the leachate that naturally comes off it or in next level to that is you can run hopefully filtered and dechlorinated and dechloramined uh, water through the worm bin and you can create your own diluted compost tea from that and use that that's a a, a very prized prized product um, for a number of uses but basically you're creating a smoothie for the for the soil organisms when you do that and it's been a huge part of my life for many years now just always having a worm bin so Knowing that there is one here thriving already is very exciting and does just means I don't have to kickstart one, don't have to import anything, just hit the ground running, so to speak. And getting to know some of the some of the neighborhood dogs. The the it's not really a neighborhood well, it's a farming neighborhood, so getting to know know sort of the Getting, becoming friendly with the uh, the dogs of the land certainly. I don't think I've ever been surrounded by as many coyotes, and uh, seeing them move around quite a bit, and hearing them even during the day. I say this is the first time, first place I've been to where I hear coyotes going nuts in the afternoon, even. So, um, I say uh, that's a wrap. That covers. A number of uh, items on my list uh, and I will chime back in with more lessons from the land here in probably a few days as I catch up with more items and uh, I hope you enjoy <laughs> this captain's log of doing some permaculture out here believe me it's I will be capturing very exciting moments very maybe mundane moments but uh as a way to keep track and keep record of this adventure. Oh,